0: Today's podcast is sponsored by Western Reformed Seminary. Visit wrs.edu and listen for more at the conclusion of today's podcast. Welcome to Mortification of Spin, a casual conversation about things that count, with Carl Truman and Todd Pruitt. Mortification of Spin is a weekly podcast from the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Let's join this week's conversation.
1: You are listening to Mortification of Spin. My name is Todd Pruitt, and I am pastor of Covenant Presbyterian Church in Harrisonburg, Virginia. And I'm joined, as always, by my friend and colleague and um, successful book author, best-selling book author, <laughs> best-selling. Book my full title, yeah. <laughs> I know we need to. there aren't enough superlatives, Carl, yeah, to capture. And you, what's and you need to call on. me Doctor Truman. That's <laughs> a little a bit of respect, man. Well, respect. what I was thinking, what I was thinking is that since you and I have known each other for, for for a long time, we could keep it fairly casual. And I could call you, instead of Reverend Dr. Truman, I could call you Reverend Dr. Carl Truman.
2: That's about as familiar as I'm happy with you being at this point. <laughs> I think
1: well, I, I, I appreciate that. So, so I, I am joined, as always, by my friend and co-host, the Reverend Dr. Carl Truman. To the rest of you, the Reverend Dr. Truman. Uh, so, Carl, there are a lot of goings on right now in the world of evangelicalism, and um, I, I wanted to, to kick off first of all with a bit of a discussion about something that has come up just recently about a new innovation from Life Church TV, pastored by Craig Groeschel. If you all are not familiar with Craig Groeschel, then you're just not with it. He is a pastor of one of the largest churches. Um, in the United States, Life Church TV. Yes, I said that TV. Multiple locations, uh, innovators in terms of you know, quote online campuses and that sort of thing. Well, the reason is, why is I bring he, up
2: is he PCA?
1: No, 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 no. Um, uh, he's way I thought, too just innovative. I'd ask, The
2: way you were describing him sounds very PCA. <laughs> he's way, my
1: PCA. he's he's way too innovative uh, to, to be PCA. I mean, even to be PCA. And of course. <laughs> Um, they use um, electricity, so that means they're certainly not a part of the uh, OPC. But I will say this: um, the reason why I <laughs> the mentioned devil Craig Spox, Groeschel,
2: you mean the devil's yeah, box? Exactly.
1: The reason I mentioned uh, Craig Groeschel and and Life Church is because they now have a meta campus or a metaverse campus. Now, if the term metaverse is new to you. Um, it, it's it's kind of the latest thing where where large corporations are starting to latch onto because they see big dollar signs uh, before them. Uh, some of you may know that uh, Facebook has recently changed its corporate name uh, to Meta, and basically what the the metaverse is is an online virtual experience meant to um, be sort of fully immersive, where you select an avatar, clothe that avatar in in whatever you would like to clothe them, and you can do commerce and go to work and go to school, um, uh, engage in social activities, and yes, even go to church in the metaverse. Now, again, big dollar signs on this because you're talking about major money in terms of software, also in terms of hardware, because you've got to get these kind of large 3D virtual glasses that cover up half of your face so that you can enter into the metaverse now carl before i ask you a little bit about some of the church application on this i just uh, last week i was reading an article by Stephen johnson in the wall street journal uh, the title of the article is is the metaverse really the next big thing and in the article he quotes mark zuckerberg again you know uh, head of of facebook slash meta and listen to this from what zuckerberg said zuckerberg said "Quote." Screens can't deliver that deep feeling of presence. Screens can't deliver that deep feeling of presence. He goes on. Presence is the defining quality of the metaverse. So in other words, Zuckerberg's saying, you know, you can't get that deep feeling of presence. That, that's, that's an interesting way to put things, but you can't get that on a screen. For this, you've got to go into the metaverse as though saying uh, the screen will keep you too deeply disconnected in order to really have that feeling of presence. We've got to disconnect you even more um, into this virtual space, this virtual reality. Now, into this, Steve Johnson of the Wall Street Journal writes this: quote, virtual reality, for all its creative possibilities, demands that you adopt a fundamentally unnatural relationship to your surroundings. And even if some of these uh, some of these experiences can be created with augmented reality. Where virtual companions or other forms of data are projected onto real world environments through special glasses, it is unlikely that such interfaces will make you feel more present. He goes on, for most of us, I suspect, presence doesn't mean dressing up as an oversized robot floating in a space station. It means experiencing our friends and family through the full bandwidth of human connection, facial expressions subtle vocal cues all experienced in an environment that we can feel and touch with our unmediated senses now Carl Life Church TV pastored by Craig Rochelle now has a metaverse campus and what that means is you put on your special 3d helmet glasses facial covering and you enter into this virtual realm you have your um, your avatar which represents you, and before you, you, you go walking down the steps and find your seat in the, the theater slash uh, worship center. And before you is a screen uh, with not a computer generated image of the musicians and then the preacher, but an actual video of them before you. And, and what's interesting is you are seated next to the other people that are there with their avatars and you can talk to them and interact with them. Through this virtual reality space, now Craig Rochelle and Life Church have been promoting this as the next big thing, the next big way to reach people. And one of the, the 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 slogans of Life Church is, "We will do everything short of sinning to reach people," and this is kind of their next expression of doing that. Come to our metaverse campus. Now, there's a lot there to unpack, Carl. But as we yeah. think about the church. What do we think about
2: this? Well, first of all, I will pick up on the last statement. You know, we will do anything short of sinning to reach the the uh, the last of the unconverted. Yeah. But I wonder, one, we certainly want to affirm the uh, the validity of the motivation there. Yep. Clearly, great, that's a uh, great that, that a great have. motivation. We don't want to to sort of be sneering or criticizing that. It, it's it's a somewhat unfortunate way of expressing it because, of yeah. course, sin is not the only category that we <laughs> we apply when we think about. Uh, church life you know, is it sinful to do X in a worship service? well it may not be sinful but it might be foolish or it might be distracting right. Is it sinful to do X in reaching out to our neighbors? well you know X may be something that is is ill-advised you know do I want to do this thing in order to bring somebody into the kingdom? Uh, it may not be sinful but it could be it could be foolish it could be something that uh, that isn't against God's word so much as being simply beside or irrelevant to God's mm-hmm. word, So good motivation, rather foolish way of phrasing it. Yeah. In terms of the whole metaverse thing, I think that the point being made in the Wall Street Journal is the same kind of point that our friend Michael Hanby would make. We've had Michael on the program. Yeah. And that is that, that technology doesn't simply give you reality in a faster, more effective way. Technology really changes the way you imagine reality to be. Mm -hmm. And what the metaverse is doing is is encouraging us to imagine reality in a way that it isn't. Uh, Reality for us is embodied. It is geographically specific. Uh, We know that. We can live the illusion of the metaverse, but frankly, if if I've got a cold or if I've got COVID or I've got the flu or, or my tooth is aching, it doesn't matter what virtual reality I place myself in the demands of the physical are ultimately much more real. And then I would turn to the New Testament and think about the importance of physical presence in the New Testament. Uh, Think about when Jesus uh, touches uh, the man with leprosy. Think about when he touches the the young girl, Jairus' daughter, who's dead. Think about when he's touched by the woman with the flow of blood. Now, Jesus could quite easily have healed all three of those people simply by the word of his power. There's no, uh, there's no doubt that he could have done that. But touch is important. It may be hard to articulate why, but physical presence is something that's important. I've been living in this uh, country now for 20 years, a long way away from my mother. I can call my mother each week and I can hear a voice on the phone, and, and that's better than a text. Sadly, my mother's discovered how to text, which means she can get in (laughs) touch with me anytime she wants. I only check my texts every two days on that particular program, so she can't get to me that easily. My mother can text me. Talking to her on the phone is better than getting a text. Seeing her on a video screen is better than merely talking to her on the phone. I'm sure that going into the metaverse with my mum might be a slight improvement on being on the screen, but it isn't going to be the same as me sitting in my mum's front room having a cup of tea with her, talking to her, being physically proximate to her. So embodiment and physical proximity are very important. And we can know that by thinking about extreme cases as well. I mean, Craig Groschel's setup sounds ideal for the younger generation. But I wonder how many old people in hospital or how many people yeah. moments from death are going to be satisfied with the metaverse? Mm-hmm. Do they not want their loved ones sitting at their bedside, holding their hands, praying with them, reading the Bible? Again, it may be hard to articulate why bodily presence is important, but I think we all instinctively know that. Right. I hear that, you know, when I heard that my father was dying, I jumped on a plane to get there. Sadly, I didn't get there in time, mm-hmm. but I wasn't just going to call him by the telephone and, and chat to him. I wanted to be with him. And I know that he wanted me to be there with it. And I think that touches something very important about what it is to be human. Physical proximity is important. The metaverse can do its best to attenuate that. But ultimately, nature, I think, bites back. Ultimately, we all know that physical embodiment and proximity is very important. Mm -hmm. And technology,
1: for all of the things that we're grateful for, um, technology is not neutral. There are lots of expressions of technology that we would say are positively good and some might be neutral. But in terms of using technology for means for particular ends, we do have to ask increasingly, well, this may enable us to do a thing. This may enable us to do X,Y,Z, but is it right? Is it good? Yeah. And that's one of these things. I mean, I would ask uh, Craig Rochelle, I would challenge him as to why is it okay for the attendees, of your metaverse services, your metaverse campus, to be there in the presence of these clearly computer-generated avatars, but for what's up on the, on the stage, so to speak, you have the actual video of the real persons, the real musicians, and you, the real preacher. Why not have yourself up there, Craig, in, in the form of this odd-looking computer-generated avatar? Why? Because people don't want to see that. But what we're going to tell them that sitting beside other weird looking computer generated avatars is somehow touching on that deep uh, need for, for presence seems a bit inconsistent.
2: Yeah. And again, like, going back to the beginning of what you're saying there, I think they that- the problem of a technological society is that once something becomes possible, we no longer have any moral framework for determining whether it's right or wrong. Yeah. Uh, it's what it, what is possible becomes that which is right to us. And I think mm-hmm. in this situation, yeah, great, let's have the, the metaverse for church. I think there are more factors involved than the mere technological possibility. Again, the metaverse may be great for We'd call them in, back in Scotland, we call them the bide ins the shut-ins, the people who can't get mm-hmm. out to church on a Sunday. It may be great for them to have something like the metaverse that they can occasionally use when they're stuck inside. But for people who can get to church, they need to be in church. Yeah. And even the shut-ins and the bide ins are going to want real people visiting right. them and showing real love and care towards them. And it's interesting to me also
1: that as I've viewed um, – snippets of what goes on in these various venues in the metaverse and these uh, computer-generated avatars. Maybe this is my my 54-year-old age speaking, but I'd rather be on a Zoom call looking at someone's actual face than interacting in something that looks like a cartoon character Mm. with other barely recognizable cartoon characters.
2: Yeah, it might depend on the face I think so that's what I'm gonna qualify I'm, that uh, I'm just, just assuming you know, an avatar of me with hair I, I, I could live with that you know uh, my wife would certainly find that uh, infinitely preferable I think to the real thing yeah yeah that's true and may, and, and they you know maybe in, maybe in the
1: in I mean I can tell from certain people's avatars that that it tends to uh, to take about 50 pounds off of you as well so I might you know I might look into that
2: Yes, <laughs> but uh, but again, I, I think you're right. Uh, you know, this idea that the screen doesn't create intimacy—that's a statement mm. that needs to be justified. I mean, I would argue yeah. that there's a lot of truth in that, yeah. but I'm not sure, therefore, that avatars do that either. <laughs> to me, the screen doesn't create intimacy because the person isn't really sitting six feet away from you in the room, exactly. and that issue is not dealt with by the metaverse. The metaverse might give you better graphics; it might give you three dimensions, but it doesn't give you. The real physical person who's close to you. I think back to uh, the AIDS crisis of the 80s. One of the sort of the iconic uh, film clips or photos of the AIDS crisis was Lady Diana. Well, she was Diana, Princess of Wales at this point, sitting on the bed of an AIDS patient right. holding his hand. Right. And you ask, yourself, why is that picture powerful? That picture's powerful because she was really there and she was physically intimate with right. him in that way. And that, I'm sure that meant a lot to mm-hmm. the poor person who's suffering on the hospital bed. And the picture was powerful precisely because of the physical intimacy. If you'd put that picture out and said, Hey, it's a picture of two avatars. And here's the di- avatar of Diana, Princess of Wales, holding the hands of this poor AIDS patient in hospital, have his avatar,
1: yeah.
2: it would have no emotional impact at all. Not There's at all. a dehumanizing aspect mm-hmm. to this thing that I think is, mm-hmm. is worrying and disturbing. And we're at a very strange moment right now. So because after two years
1: of being treated like a disease, um, the isolation has only gotten worse. People's sense of isolation. And it's in every survey that's been done and every study that's been done, whether it's increased suicide attempts uh, through the roof, uh, exponential increases in depression and in people seeking counseling. Uh, I, I I was just recently um made a home visit with someone. And um, I, I went to shake someone's hand and they were great. They shook my hand immediately. But as soon as I stuck my hand out there and I'm feeling this more and more, I started thinking, oh, is this wrong? Am I going to make them uncomfortable if I ask them to touch my hand? And and the, 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 the metaverse is, is, is not the solution for this. Yeah. I, Carl, yeah. I was thinking just um, uh, earlier today about this story and thinking about as you and I are recording this right now, it's just a few days before Christmas. And I began thinking about Matthew chapter one, and you will call his name Emmanuel, God with us. And I thought about Zuckerberg's quote that the metaverse is the thing that really is going to help us solve this deep need for connection, for yeah. for presence. Yeah. And I began thinking, you know, what what a marvelous message that is at the heart of the Christmas story, yeah, uh, the, the the mystery of the incarnation, God. With us, God is the one who 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 solves that issue of our isolation. Even as we start to isolate ourselves more and more, how much more should the church be leaning into um, this remarkable mystery? I think the deepest mystery in all of Scripture: God with us, the one who, if you will, solves our problem of deep connection in the most profound way.
2: Yeah, when you think about the incarnation, we're told in Scripture, you know, that it happened when the time had fully come. Mm -hmm. Well. If Jesus could have done the job as an avatar, the time would not have fully come until 2021 and the arrival of the metaverse. Right. Uh, He would just have come at this Christmas Mm -hmm. as an avatar. The church deals with the heresy of docetism even before the close of the uh, the New Testament canon. It's very clear that docetists, those who argue that Christ only had a seeming flesh, he only had an appearance of fleshliness, but no real body, They're already a problem in the church, and the church is combating them. So this idea that the meaning of human life can be found without taking into account embodiment at the most basic level is complete nonsense. And you can indulge in the metaverse all you want, but the bottom line is the only people who will be happy in the metaverse are those who con themselves into thinking it's real. And at some point in time the falsity of that belief will be demonstrated to them, either in the death of a loved one or in their own death. Mm. Maybe I could enter, enter the metaverse and have an avatar of my father talking to me. Right. After my dad had died, I remember for, for years thinking, I'd give anything if I could just have another 15 minutes in my father's presence. Yeah. You could give me an avatar of my father. Bottom line is, I know it's not my dad because my dad was a body, yeah. not a collection of pixels. Right, right.
1: Well, Carl, I, I I want to visit a, a different subject now in our time remaining because uh, it, it hit the news today as we are recording this, and it has to do with um, your favorite denomination, the Presbyterian Church in America, the denomination, yeah, the which that
2: keeps on giving, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, giving.
1: I'm telling you. And once again, <laughs> it is an issue that revolves around uh, side B homosexuality um, uh, and Greg Johnson, the pastor of Memorial church in st louis well he has written a piece for usa today you know that tiny little paper that has hardly any uh, uh circulation whatsoever right um and uh his seeming craving for public exposure at this point of course he's he's on a book tour he's got a new book and um he's he's seeking to promote it but he wrote a piece that was released today for usa today wherein he refers to himself in you know, with with language that previously he had denied ever using, namely a gay pastor, a gay Christian, um, and he laments uh, the 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 mistreatment he has um, uh, received. You know, his characterization, uh, mistreatment because he's been investigated and had charges filed against him. He goes on to state that he was exonerated um, uh, in in October. Uh, by our highest court, the, the Standing Judicial Committee, that was an overstatement because it was his presbytery that it had charges filed against it for not properly disciplining him. So it's not that he was exonerated, but I, I digress. L- listen to this um, statement that he makes, uh, uh, Carl, in, in the article. He writes, you can imagine how fun denominational gatherings can be me with a couple thousand, mostly older white church-going Southern heterosexual religious conservatives with children and grandchildren and seersucker suits. One of us is not like the others. Well, you know, you can just feel the love there, can't you?
2: Yeah, I read that and I thought that was an unworthy comment of a, of one off one office bear in the church towards yeah. another in the same denomination. Yeah. I mean, it's very clearly condescending. Uh, I mean, I I can't get over that. This is the man, of course, who accused me of slandering him when I reported uh, his comments relative to the PCA General Assembly last year. And and I used the term, uh, I think, Southern pietists rather than Southern pietism that he'd used in his original statement. Uh, As if the shift from one noun to the other renders any comment like that slanderous. Mm -hmm. Yet he seems very happy to, to speak in rather sneering terms about members of his own denomination. And I just read that. And I felt very sad for the guy, to be honest. I think, man, if, yeah. this, is, if this is the lack of respect you have for your, your, your fellow elders, uh, you know, even those who disagree with you, if this is the lack of respect you have for them, maybe you shouldn't be in this denomination. Mm-hmm. Well, in fact, um, he,
0: asks,
1: he asks several questions in his piece. He, he, uh, he writes this, how can I love family members who seem at times so blind to their own failings, to their own insensitivity? when they seem to be making bad decisions motivated by fear and suspicion. Right there was a, a reference to the can overtures. I ask, has
2: Greg Johnson yeah. highlighted any of his own failings? Uh,
0: well, you know, I that's a, that's well, a great point question. The
2: point of my article earlier this year was, listen to the church. The church mm-hmm. has spoken. His reaction, of course, was immediate, massive self-justification. Right. No acknowledgement of any possible failures on his part.
1: Right, right. None at all. And and the, the, the brazenness of the article was… Um, quite disturbing um i was sad uh to see him once again um make these sorts of sneering comments about uh the denomination that he says he loves um in in usa today uh, no less and of course you can imagine
2: you know let me the, just comment there todd yeah. you know when you talk about loving your denomination or something you know we're we're married yeah our wives have faults i'm sure i have faults. I don't talk about my wife's faults in yeah. public, and she doesn't talk about my faults in public. Right. That's what love looks like. Right. That is what love looks like. You cannot claim to love a denomination and then trash it in front of the world. Yeah. That yeah. just doesn't add up. That doesn't add up. Yeah. If yeah. you have problems with your denomination, like if you have problems with your wife or your husband – you deal with those matters in private in a loving way. You mm-hmm. don't go to USA today to talk about it,
1: right? And one one topic you and I have mentioned several times, and you've written on this as well, is um, uh, Pastor Johnson resorts once again to congratulating himself on his chastity in terms of um, he has not actually had sex with another man, and that that represents a great act of self-denial and and sacrifice and discipleship on his part, as though, as though our our sexual purity and chastity is 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 not a duty that we render to God, but something that's kind of supernatural, that only a few of the most disciplined among us um, can achieve. And if they do, you know, are worthy of our of our awe and respect.
2: Yeah, it's, I mean as we've said before, Todd, Bob was very clear, sexual activity is between a man and a woman in mm-hmm. marriage doesn't matter if you're heterosexual, bisexual, or whatever. If you're not married, sex isn't an option. And Mm. guess what? That's not a sacrifice. That's obedience. In the same way as a married man being faithful to his wife, it's not a sacrifice. It's obedience. I mean, it's about time we grabbed hold of that. You know, cut the the self-pitying narratives that make this matter more complicated than it is. Mm-hmm. Bottom line is obedience is demanded, is required in this area. It's not a sacrifice. It's just the way it is.
1: Right. And I would also say that, uh, again, he, he, he confuses certain things once again, as we see so often from the side B homosexual group that's um, – That's operating within the PCA is this idea that um, there is no inherent difference between same sex attraction and um, opposite sex attraction in terms of um, if if uh, if someone has same sex attraction, um, uh, there's there's no inherent moral difference between opposite sex attraction if it's somehow activated before the time you're actually married. And that's just simply not true. There is a substantive difference. There's a fundamental difference between a natural attraction and an unnatural attraction, to borrow from Paul's own words. And the way I've explained it recently to, to a Sunday school class is that though it can quickly become sinful and lustful, um, we're made to have natural sexual attractions that will be active in us prior to marriage, and that that can exist. In fact, it must exist. Before we're actually married, now again, it can become sinful lust. But if 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 I, I told them if you're ever if if you're engaged and if you're going to to go through premarital counseling, and your premarital counselor says if you are in any way you two that are getting ready to get married, looking forward to having sex, then you're in sin. I told him then get a different counselor, um, because the natural attraction that God's given to us is a gift that actually. Makes marriage possible and enjoyable. Um, there is a, but there is no God glorifying, life giving way for same sex attraction to be terminated. Um, it just can't. It can't. It is. It is fundamentally different. And so, therefore, we have to ask different questions and have a different set of expectations for the one who says, "I'm quote same sex attracted." There has to be because it is a different thing. I agree. I, again, it's it's one more example of why the PCA needs, for instance, overtures 23 and 37, which you and I have talked about. We've got to have teeth to this thing. We've got to have constitutional authority to be able to act on this. And I would just encourage folks to be praying for the PCA because um, uh, the fight is still on. And we're, we're praying for a good end to this.
2: Well, it's been an uh, interesting uh- <laughs> 25 minutes. I'm sure there's nothing that anybody listening will disagree with there and what we've said. Uh, Time for me to wrap and say thanks to you, the audience, for listening in. Uh, Please visit our website, mortificationofspin.org. And while you're visiting, uh, consider making a donation. We are a donor-supported podcast. And also, you may enter for a chance to win our friend Megan Hill's book, A Place to Belong, which is, I think, one of the best concise pleas for the importance of the embodied local church. Uh, on the market today in the meantime now all that remains is for me to thank you for listening once again and ask you to join us again next time My fav- I must admit, though, it's generated my most favorite insult to me of all time. Oh, well, on one of those here. videos, some guy had commented, does Truman still live in his mother's basement? Oh, and I was gosh. thinking, so here we have a man who spends his day commenting on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Wondering if I still live in my mother's basement.
0: What a strange,
2: I almost strange felt like I, I should pull that out as a book commendation. You really does should. Does Truman still live in his mother's
0: I- <laughs> basement? Western Reformed Seminary, now located in Puyallup, Washington, is a Bible-believing Presbyterian Seminary, endorsed by the Bible Presbyterian Church. Their mission is to prepare church leaders who are spiritually grounded, knowledgeable, capable, and dedicated through solid theological training. Degree programs include the Masters of Divinity, academic degrees such as Masters of Biblical or Theological Studies, as well as the Masters of Church Ministry, with an emphasis in biblical counseling, missions, or church ministry. Non-degree Students at Western Reform Seminary may take any class as a standalone for credit or audit. Although residency classes offer the best learning environment, Western Reform Seminary offers interactive synchronous classes for students unable to attend in person, as well as concentrated classes in January and May every year. The spring semester begins on January 24th. For more information, visit WRS.edu or email registrar at WRS.edu. Western Reformed Seminary.